Welcome back to the Knights of the Old Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cohen, and I'm here today with Ryan Mork. The recent topic that we're going to talk about today is how the Red Sox finally got punished after all this time about their sign-stealing scandal, and it honestly seems a bit too late, in my opinion. It, it took a while, press through the coronavirus, and they went through a lot of testimony, about 65 witnesses, 10,000 documents. Ryan, what was your first initial reaction about Manfred laying down the hammer in the Red Sox? Yeah, you said the word finally. I mean, it took a long time, and I guess only Rob Manfred and the MLB knows why this took so long. I don't really care that it took long. I'm just glad that it finally got out. I, I was surprised that it took this long. But my initial reaction is the same thing that I had with the Astros, and is and it's that it was just not much of a punishment. And I think it's mostly because baseball gave all of the players immunity. And I said this about the Astros scandal. I'm going to say it again. I think that's where the big mistake comes in. And I understand that the Red Sox were punished. And I think that the right guy got the right punishment and the, and the draft pick being taken away for this upcoming draft was fair. But I just think that when you have so many players out there who have and granted, I mean, the, the vocality of a lot of these players came after the suspensions, which I understand. But we had superstars like Mike Trout and Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judd, some of the game's biggest stars, arguably ever, saying about how they lost so much respect for the players on the Astros. And we're kind of getting the, the same thing. When, when you have a bunch of guys say that they would much rather face a guy who's on steroids than a guy who knows what pitch is coming, then I think that the players are just getting away scot-free. And I'm not going to sit here and harp that it's, a lot, that it's anything close to what the Astros did, but at the same time, you hate to see that the players are getting off quote-unquote free once again. Oh, you're totally right, and it's completely ridiculous in how baseball tries to justify the fact they're they're not technically giving immunity. And in the, in the Astros' case, they were saying how the Jeff Loonhow just didn't send the memo to his players, which really doesn't seem like a thing. And now for the Red Sox, they say no players were spent because it happened infrequently, and not everyone used these signs. So players as a whole will just not be affected by the punishment. I'm all right with the fact that. Manfred saying players get immunity because it would just be too much, but these blatant and BS lies he's coming up with, that's that's just heart-wrenching. I'm at the point now, Adam, where I feel like baseball kind of just did this investigation because it kind of had to. You know what I mean? And I even I, – I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that I heard Rob Manfred say a while back that he's also doing investigations on unnamed teams at this point. And – don't get me wrong. Uh, personally, I feel like if Manfred was supposed were to do a thorough investigation on every single team in baseball, something w would come about where someone is bending the rules a a in some way, shape, or form. And I get that. I mean, everyone's going to bend the rules at some point to gain a competitive advantage. It's not it's not a secret anymore. But I feel like. Uh, I always felt like Ron Manfred dropped the ball when he said that th that it was kind of unprecedented that this kind of punishment was like n no, no one has ever gotten suspended for stealing signs. Well, you know what? It's, it's, there has to be a first time at some point. 
and we are still waiting. And the thing that, that bothers me the most is that a pitcher who wants to get revenge and hit a batter is going to get suspended more than any Red Sox or Astro. And every player ever says that they would much rather face a guy who has taken performance-enhancing drugs than a guy who knows the signs. Well, what's the first suspension for performance-enhancing drugs, a positive test? 80 games. So some math here isn't correct. I wouldn't even care if they just docked their pay for the season or took just punished the players somehow in some shape or form. But you make a really good point in the fact that so many teams are probably doing the same thing. I mean, just look at the Yankees. They had the whole Apple Watch incident with the Red Sox in 2017. And actually, the one guy who this blame just completely fell on him, his name is J.T. Watkins. He was a catcher from West Point, was in the Red Sox system. And past couple of years, he's been their replay room operator. It just completely fell on him. He was part of the Apple Watch channel as well. And that was a big part why that they, they kind of put the blame on him. He was a pretty much a scapegoat. And just moving on to Watkins... Do you think he's guilty? Is he the main person to blame for this scandal? And isn't it fair to blame the entire scandal on him? I mean, you can't blame the entire scandal on him. I I totally doubt that one guy... I mean, sure, it's obviously going to be one person's main idea to say, hey, I think I have this idea. But this report, Adam, to me, seems so inconsistent in the fact that Watkins is denying doing anything in real time, then why is he suspended? Obviously, that means some players ratted him out, which on top of that means that some players were obviously taking signs in real time. So someone is lying. More likely than not, it's this replay coordinator. And I highly doubt that he was acting alone. And on top of that, doesn't doesn't this whole investigation say that his his office got moved from the basement of Fenway Park to right next to the dugout. Isn't that enough to tell you that he's probably not going rogue on this? Isn't that enough to tell you that it's probably not just him acting? And on top of that, if it were just him and nothing else was happening, don't you think that he kind of just would have given up a little bit? So in my personal opinion, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that this investigation is totally false, and I'm not going to sit here and accuse every single Red Sox player of lying and so on and so forth. But I will say one thing, this investigation does seem a little bit fishier than than the Astros. I think the Astros, we got hard answers. I still think that not every question is answered in this investigation. But I do think that the main issue—I I shouldn't. Main issue is kind of the wrong way to go about it. I think the main target was found, and I think that Watkins deserves most of the blame because I feel like something else would have popped up throughout this five-month-long investigation, however long it was. See, there's probably a couple of reasons why baseball decided to have more of a fishy route with the Red Sox. And they have all the data to come together to a sound investigation. As I mentioned, they had tens of thousands of emails, texts, phones, video clips, 65 witnesses, months of delay. And this is what they come up with. And they just blame it on this one replay recorder guy. And the Astros had one of their own guys, too. He got suspended as well. But... They also, for the Astros, they said it was entirely player-driven. It has to be player-driven for here, too. It's not like the players are going to completely ignore this. Some of them did take the sign. Some of them did care about this. And you mentioned the fact that they move his office to behind the right field wall. Well, it's not like he has direct access to players. Someone told him to move his office. 
the front office of the Red Sox probably knew this at well. So it's not just a one-man job, of course. The whole team was involved, but they're not going to get the same kind of hate that the Astros will be as MLB is downplaying this. And they didn't call it player-driven. I think they're trying to almost make amends for what happened to the Astros. They don't want the Red Sox getting thrown out. They won't want this to be a whole big thing again. I know that kind of sounds conspiracy theorist right there, but it almost seems like that's a possibility at this point. Well, you know what? At this point, Adam, nothing can be a con- it can be a conspiracy theory because we heard everything about buzzers, and at this point, MLB players are co- totally convinced that the Astros cheated well into the twenty eight. I mean, it was announced that they did cheat in 2018, but people think that this cheating has gone on into even last season. People think that no one is totally denying that buzzers were used. We heard Aaron Boone. You and I are both Yankee fans. You and I both talked about this. When Aaron Boone said that he wasn't totally convinced that the Astros weren't wearing buzzers, that was a story. So any quote-unquote conspiracy theory that you can come up with, you got to, I mean, to a stretch, you got to take it into account. And you know what? I don't think this is all player-driven. Alex Cora... It was announced that here's where, side tangent, I'm sorry that I'm going off here. This investigation said that Alex Cora has suspended for the 2020 season. Great punishment. Nice backpedal after after the Red Sox basically said that he was fired. So let me get this straight. You announced that Alex Cora got suspended for this upcoming season if it's played by what he did involving the Astros. Those punishments were announced three months ago. We have not heard anything about Carlos Beltran in in any scenario since the Astros punishments were announced. So where is Carlos Beltran's? Um, well, I guess the, the difference here is that Cora was on the coaching staff and Beltran was a player. So maybe that that is kind of a bit of a stretch, but nonetheless, Alex Cora won a World Series for what he did in 2017. You mean to tell me that all of a sudden he's like, nah, let's not do something that obviously worked. I felt that way about the Astros. I feel that way about Alex Cora. Why the MLB is announcing Alex Cora's suspension only with the Astros when announcing the Red Sox punishment? I have no idea. So no, I don't think that this is all player driven. And I think that Alex Cora is a hell of a manager. Not just my opinion. A lot of people in baseball think so also. But again, it's fishy. When Cora goes from back-to-back championships in the middle of a cheating scandal, and you mean to tell me that he had nothing to do with anything in 2018? I don't buy that. You bring up several good points. One is the fact that why didn't they just announce this three months sooner? Well, to somewhat answer your question, they just don't think this penalty is too harsh. They don't think the Red Sox are really too involved in this, and they really are making this one guy, J.D. Watkins, the scapegoat, even if he obviously wasn't the only one involved. So it's almost as if Cora just didn't have anything to do with this, which is not true. He obviously was part of one scandal. He's part of another one. He was way back when, when we did our first episode, pretty much since the start of Exit View, with you, me, and Q, we all said that Cora would get a longer suspension than Lou Howe and Hinch. That's not the case. He, he just had the same amount of time. It was only just delayed by, what, three months or so? And it's bizarre. And you also mentioned the fact that Cora, people really like him as manager. There's already talks of him returning in 2021, so... <laughs> oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. There's such a good probability of that as well. And you're right. I think the only reason why, at least for that point you mentioned about Beltron, 
is just because he was a player, but no suspension for him at all, which is also ridiculous because he was the manager of the Mets at the time, at the start, or at least at the end of the 2019, maybe the start of 2020, I forget the exact date. So that's where he was not suspended, but it's probably because he was a player during that time. So to answer all three questions in a nutshell, that's that's kind of my take on it. Mm-hmm. And a couple, one other thing that I want to mention also, I feel like there are going to be a lot of Astros fans and, and the city of Houston. It's crazy the defense that they have gotten. And I'm sure that I haven't seen a lot of defense. I mean, I guess it's because the NFL draft has been going on. So this punishment kind of came at a pretty good time. If you're the Red Sox, in my opinion, you're kind of just getting th- uh, swept under the rug a little bit. But I don't want to see the defense that, well, it was only for guys on second base. All right, it was for guys in scoring position. Like, uh, I'm all for taking signs legally. But when you are able to decipher a sign in real time, when a guy is on second base, that's a pretty important part of the ball game. And who's – I remember same thing with the Astros. Correa said, oh, well, Jose Altuve uh, didn't want to use the, the cheating scandal. Now all of a sudden it's a question mark if he used the buzzer on that slider that Aroldis Chapman hung in, in last year's game six. Horrible pitch. But, none, but nonetheless, I mean, if you ask me when do you want to know the pitch, in the bottom of the first inning or the bottom of the tenth inning where you can take a team to a World Series, I'll take the latter. So I don't want to hear the defense that they didn't do it too often because they did it in pretty important parts of the ball game. They stole signs illegally. No, it's not what the Astros did. It's not even remotely close. But at the end of the day, they got punished for a reason. And also a side note, what benefit does baseball have in making this Watkins guy a scapegoat? Again, I also think this is going back to what I said earlier. I just think that baseball kind of just wants to forget about this whole thing because this is a big black mark for the sport. That's just my opinion on it, why they're making this guy out to be the bad guy. And he is, but that's just my opinion. taking almost a similar initiative with the Astros. Maybe definitely lesser for the Red Sox, but at least in how they're phrasing it. With the Astros, they said, okay, 2017, they did this 2018. But 2019, they just suddenly stopped. They just suddenly stopped, even though there's a lot of evidence. The Red Sox, too, it said, oh, they did it during a 2018 regular season, but hey, come playoff time, they just suddenly stopped. Come 2019, they just suddenly stopped. That's that's just complete BS right there. And to add on to that, the Red Sox had a, a selecting percentage 200 points higher than any ever 2018 playoff team during the postseason. They had around a 630 selecting percentage. That's like Barry Bonds coming up to the plate every single time. It's It's ridiculous. That's a ridiculously high selecting percentage. So... No, that's that's not just a random stat. It's something that's implied by what's going on here. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be the one. I'm, I'm kind of glad you said it because I said before that I didn't want to accuse anyone of anything when the investigation says otherwise. But you're right. I mean, if you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we know how long it was going on in the regular season. Again, please correct me if I'm wrong there, but if they did it from game one to game 162, all of a sudden you face the New York Yankees, your biggest rival, the biggest rivalry in all of sports, and all of a sudden you're like, no, let's not do this. If you stopped in in May, then, then, then fine, I'll believe you. But if you went the entire regular season taking signs, winning 108 games, having an historic season... 
beating the Yankees, who re- who required Giancarlo Stanton, the reigning National League MVP, you were not the favorites to win the division. You wound up winning the division by eight games. And, like, the Yankees won 100 games that year, and the Red Sox killed them in the division. So you mean to tell me that if you cheated all season long, it obviously worked, you stopped cold turkey? You're right, Adam. I don't buy that. I don't buy that one. We're not entirely sure of the exact timetable. Maybe they did stuff. Maybe we don't know. But come on, if MLB probably would have laid down something if they found out about May. Why would the Red Sox stop at all? And you're right. You said everything going for them, and in so many of those matchups in 2018, the Yankees got utterly wrecked. And the playoffs too, they got wrecked. I mean, I still remember Brock Holt hitting a grand slam off Austin Romine. That's one of the worst moments as a Yankee fan I've ever experienced, and it's just annoying. And I know it won't happen, but I almost wish that the fans are going to react to the Red Sox just as they have the Astros. But I don't think that's the case. It's not the case because everyone knows it's kind of not as bad. And you know what? I hate to say this, but I got to give the Red Sox credit for being a little bit more subtle. You do have to wait to decode signs, and you got to do it a little bit more discreetly. So... I don't want to say that they quote unquote did it better, but I think that they're. I hate to sound like I'm defending the Red Sox here, but I guess in a way I kind of am. They had a bigger challenge. I think that the Astros had the Astros had a foolproof plan, literally. And I mean, I guess that this plan was kind of foolproof too. You never know anything about changing signs in the middle of an at bat, but. Nonetheless, the Red Sox aren't going to get as much hate because they weren't the first ones to do it, which I think plays a a big part in this. And again, just the fact that they were a little bit more discreet kind of will take the monkey off their backs a little bit. And I know that sounds really weird to put into words. I'm trying to find the, the best way to describe it, but... That is the, that is the honestly here. I agree with you. The Astros did in the worst way possible. They were banging trash cans. They had buzzers on them. The Red Sox just had signs encoded in center field, and they originally had an Apple Watch, which is you know pretty nifty when you think about it. Which, which anyone can do, by the way. Any baseball player. I'm not even talking. You're right, but I'm not even talking about the Apple Watches at this point. I'm talking about decoding decoding signs from second base. Any player can eventually figure it out. The Red Sox took it way beyond every level ever. If they just took signs as a runner on second base and they were able to figure out that the catcher's second sign was what was what the pitch was and you were able to tell your batter, then fine, go, go ahead and be it. That's The Red Sox took that to a little bit on steroids, <laughs> I guess. No pun intended. But but th- th- that's that's the way the, cookie, the cookies crumble. Do you think so we're going to see teams throw at the Red Sox? I, they're obviously going to throw the Astros a bit, but it'll be almost kind of funny to see who will be pegged more this season. See, I don't even think that a lot of players on the Astros are going to get hit. Because the MLB came out right away and said that they're going to get punished right away for whoever hits the Astros. So I think that people are going to want to get their revenge. But I also think that maybe in the beginning of the year this will happen. But I think that it's going to calm down very, very quickly. And 
I feel like I always thought hitting players on purpose was dumb. I think that the best revenge in baseball is winning the ball game. Why would you want to put some guys on base? That's just my personal opinion. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I think it depends on how much this is a topic of conversation when, if and when spring training and the baseball season starts up. Maybe if – I feel we didn't see a lot of Astros get hit on purpose even in spring training. And I get that it's spring training, so I feel like if you hit someone on spring training, you're really trying to find a headline and make it all about yourself. So maybe things would have changed once opening day came around. But I really don't think that we're going to see much of that. There's definitely a whole combination of things where Manfred laying down the wall, which is, as you mentioned earlier, just completely ridiculous how players can get spent more than the Astros or the Red Sox just by plunking a hitter, even though they were the proprietors involved. And also, it's just, we've known this for so long now. We know that Red Sox were someone involved. Even leading up to this punishment, we know that the Astros have been targeted for a while and with all the whole coronavirus we it's just been we just know this fact for a while so it's almost if it's as if that are not that what we know is just everyone is common knowledge now so it's almost as if it, the anger has subsided a little bit not saying completely not saying we all don't are not mad at the astros and the red sauce but it's subsided a great deal yeah for sure and uh, I feel like, again, if you gave truth serum to every single team, maybe they admit some sort of bending the rules. But at the end of the day, when it all came out with the Astros and we had superstars being out loud about how much respect that they lost, I, uh, again, I don't know if we'll see that same thing with the Red Sox because, again, it wasn't as drastic. But th- they, they did do something wrong. But you know what? So did the Yankees. You mentioned the whole Apple Watch thing before. I don't think that it was regarding stealing signs. I think it was more of just they said it was using a bullpen phone and a replay operating room in the wrong in the wrong way. We'll really never know what that means. That's definitely a gray area. But teams are absolutely bending rules here. It's not just the Astros and Red Sox. It's just the fact that other teams haven't really gotten caught yet. Which is surprising and kind of hypocritical. I mean, let's say that, uh, and th- this is where I I almost disagree with myself because we've seen players and how adamant that they are about how they hate the Astros now. But at the same time, we we've seen teams get fined before for this kind of thing. And who maybe every player is different. You, maybe the, these players who are out loud about their feelings, they're hopefully that they are playing the game totally the right way, but. It is a scary thought. What's the first thing that we say when anyone hits 50-plus home runs? He's got to be taking steroids. Now we're going to be seeing that when someone hits 350. There's no such thing as a pure 350 hitter anymore. It's all. It's always going to go back to they, they have to know what's coming. And that's annoying, and I, and I think that hurts the sport Definitely. A lot. I mean, for Derek Jeter, everyone thought he was on steroids for a lot of his career, which was just – I mean, usually it was just dumb arguments by fans who hated Jeter, but – you're right. No one, no, no one can be a pure player anymore. You'd hate to see that Mike Trout or any of the big names that you've mentioned, such as Cody Bellinger or Aaron Judge, that they're just being hypocrites and they're lying about this. So, baseball dropped the hammer on these two teams, and even if even with the investigation of our teams, this will might be it. This might be it. But 
to move on to kind of happier topics, Manfred recently said that baseball will return this year, and which is a really good sign. That's a really great sign because that was really up in the air. And in addition, the whole Arizona-Florida plan might turn into the Arizona-Florida-Texas plan because there's a lot of minor league stadiums in Texas and a lot of big college campus baseball fields also there as well. So what were your initial reactions to that? They're very active, which is a good sign. And they clearly want baseball to be played, which obviously is a very good sign. Uh, I said it before. I said it again. I will believe that baseball is being played when I see the first pitch. I'm no government official. And I know that baseball is listening to government officials and they're going to do what they feel is right. And I feel like we sound like broken records every time we talk about this. But at the end of the day, it is very nice to see baseball be proactive because, you know, they kind of have to be because they need some sort of revenue and a whole entire 18 months without making a dollar is definitely going to hurt them at some point. So obviously they want, they want to play because they literally need to play in order to survive. But at the end of the day, it's nice to see some sort of ideas are, are floating around and I'll let you get into uh, the demographics of the sure divisions thing. and so stuff like that. There, I feel like a big reason why that they were trying to expand in Texas have this East Central West division, which would be cool because then you have the AL East and the NL East, both in Florida, the Central divisions in Texas and the West divisions in Arizona. So that could be a possibility. Easier of time zones in Texas, big market area. But to go into your point. I want them to see a, have a legitimate outline of the season. Maybe not the first pitch will totally convince me, but to see them have an outline, to see them have approval from the CDC, the WHO, the MLB Players Association, then I will start to be able to understand when baseball will be played. Then I could think about a date because no one knows the date right now. It could be June 1st, June 15th, July 1st, July 15th. I think if they have a direct outline, a good general consensus on players, then we could see the ball rolling. For sure, for sure. You know, we're seeing baseball being played overseas. We're, we're seeing it in Asia, and it, it, it's going all right. I mean, uh, I think that here's where the Texas idea bothers me a little bit. What happens in the postseason and what happens in, a, in the World Series? This whole idea, the whole point of keeping it tight, quote-unquote, is to avoid contact with as much people as possible. You hope that these players will listen to the rules and stay quarantined in their respective hotels. We don't know for certain if that's going to happen. And again, we live, we're really not sure what, I mean, we are, we are seeing states kind of lift their stay at home rules for, for the, for a little, um, I can't remember what states off the top of my head. I don't know how many are doing it right now, but we're seeing it. We've seen it in Georgia. I think we've seen it in Texas. We're seeing it in Florida. So we'll see, but it is kind of a fishy area where you want everyone to stay quarantined and then all of a sudden you're going to have to travel from Arizona to Florida or Florida to Texas or, or, or wherever the place you may go. Just banking on what we mentioned last time on the Arizona-Florida podcast, if you haven't checked that out already, please do so because it'll bring in context for this episode as well, but... 
there probably won't be too many interleague division play to begin with, but they're, they're probably hoping that when time comes in October, even November, and possibly even December, how cool it would be have baseball on Christmas, by the way, they, they're they hoping that it would probably like, subside by then. And if they really, really wanted to, they can have a private plane, they can swab it, do whatever they need to with it, they can figure something out at that point. And by then it'll be... It'll be a good while since we've had the coronavirus, so I don't think that's too much of a worry, but it certainly does raise a interesting question. But you know what? I mean, smarter people than us are coming up with all these ideas, right? So mm-hmm. they obviously – these ideas wouldn't leak if they haven't put good thought into it. There's no shot that you and I – are the first people to be possibly coming up with the idea of what happens when you have to travel out of state? What happens when you have to leave a hotel? If that were the case, then we should be in charge of these ideas. But the fact that we are talking about it probably means that they have gone at length about about it in their conversations. And I'm not saying that they have any solutions, but they probably have some sort of ideas to get it somewhat normalized. They certainly don't have any solutions as of yet, but you're right. The fact that we're throwing all these crazy ideas left and right. I just listened to Ken Rosenthal a couple hours before the podcast on YouTube, and he said, we might even see 10 of 12 states try to adopt this, and might even see the states are lifting these bans as potential sites just to try to have more places to play which is pretty wild. So they're trying everything. And as I mentioned, once they have just a solid plan, they'll be good to go. But it is a really good sign that they're thinking of everything for the time being. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But one of my issues, we've talked about this before. We talked about it when the idea first came about, about Arizona. The weather down there, it, it, it can get unbearably hot. Same thing goes with Texas. And then what happens in Florida when there's a hurricane that comes about? I mean, granted, you have Globe Life Park, which is now it's Globe Life. It's called Globe Life Park, right? Yeah. So what was the old stadium called? Globe Life wasn't it? Weren't they both Globe Life? Maybe it's, it's, it sounds like it. Anyway, should, n- yeah. not 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 even the point. I'm pretty sure. I don't think the old Rangers Stadium was indoors, but this one definitely has a retractable roof. You have Tropicana, which is obviously indoors in Marlins Park, which is retractable. Chase Field is retractable. But what about all these minor league stadiums that they want to play in? Obviously, minor league stadiums don't have retractable roofs. Hell, most of the MLB stadiums don't even have retractable roofs. So uh, I think those who want to play baseball, I think that they've already spoken out about it. I feel like people have their opinions. Players who want to play, they want to play. They want to get their salary. We I don't even I know that I haven't even mentioned this, but it's been it's been a fact that if there's no baseball this year, players are foregoing their salary. So I think that a lot of people obviously want to get paid, and unfortunately, a lot of players are being caught in a predicament where you have to choose if you want to play and get paid, or you want to stay home and make sure your family is safe, but with no pay. Granted, I'm pretty sure that these players will be doing all right because a lot of them are multimillionaires anyway. But aside from the point, a lot of players do have a, a, a big decision to make uh, on their hands it, it, in the foreseeable future, it looks like. It certainly can't be easy. And we, we again, we touched upon this in 
Arizona Florida podcast, but what if some players just certainly believe, hey, I'm not going to play this season. I'm not risking this. I don't want to leave my family for this many months. I don't want to just be sheltered in a hotel and only play baseball as interesting of a life that, as that sounds. So we could see players just not agree with this and MLB moves on from them as well. And that's going to put MLB in a, in a tough spot, but you know what? I think a it would be kind of cool to see minor leaguers get their shot. Mm-hmm. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but it is their shot. And you know what? You and I are fans of a major league baseball team. We saw we saw random people that we never heard of come up and play for the Yankees last year. We're going to be watching baseball. It's not like it's the Trent Thunder. I mean, hell, it could be the Trent Thunder roster playing for the New York Yankees. <laughs> but aside, aside from the point, it's going to be a major league baseball game. And at the end of the day, we're, we are going to watch it. And I don't think that any of us baseball fans should criticize whatever decision that any player makes. We shouldn't, and it's funny because let's say Mike Trout just says, I'm not playing this year. He'll get so he has much a pregnant sick. wife. Yeah, he does have a pregnant wife, so yeah, you're right. So he might, I don't know, he could be gone for two weeks or extended period, but he'll catch a lot of slack for not being there. Not Maybe not from us, but just from his teammates who are trying to go for a playoff run and just him being the de facto best player in baseball or even any of these guys who – are having second thoughts about this, well, they'll get slack from their teammates. They want to get paid. So even if they don't like it, they'll probably, I would say the vast majority, would just side along with it and accept this at some point. But again, if we are talking about it, it's been a conversation. Like I said before, there's no way that this is the first time that it's ever been talked about. Obviously, Rob Manfred has been in touch with a lot of his players and asking them, are you okay with X, Y, and Z? And I don't know what the steps are that they are taking. Maybe that they are coming up with these ideas. And I don't know if they are saying, hey, if X percent of players approve, this is what we're doing. But nonetheless, like I said before, these are all conversations that they have to be having. And on that note, it seems like we have pretty much run our course in the whole Red Sox channel and the Texas idea, Texas, Arizona, Florida idea. So thank you all for tuning in. This is not goodbye. This is see you later. Until next time, this is the Exit Beal Podcast.